Welcome to Solutions Cast, a CFC podcast that highlights cooperative network projects and leader stories, as well as economic and energy industry insights. I'm your host, Christine Pachenik. Joining me today to discuss the growing need for a data scientist at Electric Cooperatives and how his cooperative is handling talent acquisition is Eugene Hamrick from Rappahannock Electric Cooperative and Brillet. Eugene is the Director of Enterprise Analytics and Innovation. Thanks for joining me, Eugene. Hi, Christine. Happy to be here. I'm looking forward to uh, sharing a bit about data and analytics for cooperatives today. Great. Now, why don't you tell me a little bit about your cooperative, REC? Yeah, certainly. And I'll share a bit about Brillet as well. Rappahannock Electric Cooperative is a distribution electric cooperative out of Virginia. Uh, We service 22 counties, 170,000 plus members. We're uh, 17,000 miles of line, 10 meters per mile of line. So very uh, rural in terms of meter density. Um, and we go from the West Virginia borderline all the way to the Chesapeake Bay. So quite a, a wide range of service territory um, near the nation's capital in Washington, D.C. Brillet, which is a new organization about a year old now, which is part of REC, is a wholly owned subsidiary where we do IT, analytic, and cybersecurity services for Rappahannock Electric Cooperative as well as other cooperatives. Okay, great. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that too, because of the experience that you now have. So I want to know about your career at REC. It has not exactly been a straight line from my understanding. Yeah, no, lots of twists and turns. Um, it's been exciting to say the least. So yeah, a bit about myself. Uh, I started with the co-op about 10 years ago as a contact center uh, MSR, member service rep. Honestly, uh, if anybody's starting your career, I highly recommend starting in the contact center because it gives you a, a wide variety of experiences in pretty much everything that the cooperative does. I've been right there with people on the 13-hour call shifts during major outage events, experienced pretty much everything from that standpoint. Uh, and from there, I transitioned into member insights, so dealing with demographics, market research, member satisfaction surveys, primarily the ACSI and JD Power. And quickly shifted from seeing a need for business intelligence and and advanced analytics. So transitioned from research analyst to data analyst, and then uh, got a few data science certifications along the way, Uh, moved into a solution architect role, and then more recently stood up a formal department around analytics as the uh, director of enterprise analytics and innovation for both REC and Brillet. Excellent. So really impressive. And I'm curious, you, you're a very self-taught, it seems like. Like you said, you've done certification, the classes, you kind of took the motivation upon yourself to go out and learn more outside of obviously your career and kind of get the technical understanding that you needed to then bring it in and apply it to the job functions that you had. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, funny enough, I, I'm a history major. Uh, my, my, uh, my undergrad and I have an MBA as well. But um, yeah, in terms of education, it was just kind of one of those things, the utility knowledge really propelled what I did. And for the most part, from a business knowledge standpoint, what are the key things that cooperatives need in order to have better understanding of their membership, support their employees, and overall drive the, the business needs. So that really helped me out. Um, and then it's kind of like Batman with different tools in his belt along the way. You need to learn how to work with statistics. Luckily, uh, fantasy football helped me a lot with statistics <laughs> and getting into that. Um, I hated math growing up and then found out I'm like when I got into survey design and research, I'm like, man, I love math. Statistics is the best. It's just 
funny how things take you in different directions, but found a lot of different resources along the way and, and different tools to help work with data and help put data in the hands of our employees and a lot of work in that area. Excellent. So history major turned data analyst, um, love for fantasy sports is obviously something that maybe other people, if they didn't know that they had it in them, like you said, sometimes it's that hobby that almost turns into a, a spark for what you might be interested in for a career too. Now, one of the things I do find difficult sometimes in a career, especially when you're moving in a new direction, is how you gain the support and trust of your superiors, your executives. How did you do that at your cooperative? Because you kind of were moving in from one period to transitioning to an entirely new direction. What worked well for you? Yeah, no, it's a great question, Christine. And we really built the Analytic Center of Excellence from the ground up. Um, we, we didn't really have a formalized program or formalized efforts. A little bit of siloed work with data and maybe a few like applications or widgets here and there, but nothing at the time. You know, what really broke through for us is in data analytics in general is, is a challenge, right? Um, it can be seen as no man's land. Well, the business isn't responsible for it and IT is not responsible for it. So who does it? Getting that adoption, getting people on board. Um, the first thing that really helped us was find a catalyst um, is what I'll recommend to people. For us, that was Power BI. A lot of people are visual learners. There's a lot of statistics around visual learning is usually the majority of people learn visually. Our starting point was, hey, can you put our Sadie by substation on a map? And we did that, and then it just took off from there. There was, a, And it just went all over the place. We started engaging with different departments, different areas, and, and also data in general. It's, it's a newer approach, analytics in general as well. It's not like it hasn't existed, but it can be synonymous with change management in some ways. So we like to use the phrase organizational readiness, which means get employees the right skills, tools, and resources to use data in their day in and day out. To gain the trust of people, we had to show them the data. So visualization was really key. In addition to that, one of the phrases I like to use, because there's there's a bit of um, a taboo thing around data and it's going to replace me. Um, I know a lot of people have, uh, and in some ways rightfully so, uh, with chat GPT and some of the other technologies that are out there now. I like to say, we're here to help you improve what you're already great at, which at first glance, that statement makes no sense. But essentially what we're saying is you're already an expert in operations, engineering, communications, member services, whatever it is that you're the subject matter expert in. What we're here to do is supply you with information that is insightful and impactful that you can use to help make an impact on the business with a decision that you're trying to make um, or give you access to data. So you're already great at this. We're just going to give you more resources, more tools to help make you better, which actually doesn't replace you. It makes you more valuable because now you're not doing manual editing Excel spreadsheets or whatever other reporting you're doing. Now you're able to contribute that expertise that you bring to the table and not just spending your time with tasks. Yep. And now it sounds like you've had quite a bit of success, not only moving yourself into kind of a new direction, but also building a team. You have Brillet. You're also growing kind of this in-house data analytics talent. How have you been doing that? You know, how are you bringing in people with either industry knowledge or experienced data analysts? What's working for you? That's a great question. Uh, just to give you guys uh, an idea of growth. I was a department of one, and I guess one and a part-time data engineer for about five or six years. Uh, in the last year and a half, we have hired and currently have about 10 team members in data and analytics. So it's been explosive growth in some ways. It's, it's been very positive. There's, there's a reason behind that growth, of course, but 
you know, what's been working for us, what's been successful is I encourage people to look within uh, the utility industry, look within in-house as well, but also look outside and have a a diverse team. I'm a big believer in strength-based leadership and, you know, not everybody having the same skill sets. Don't worry on strengthening your weaknesses, focus on strengthening your strengths and have a diverse team. And if you have the right framework, you can bring in people that may not have the technical knowledge and get them there um, and vice versa on the utility knowledge. I have some great examples. Um, a, a team member we have was a, uh, a first-class lineman or the more common title for him outside of our cooperative is a journeyman lineman for about 10 years at the co-op. We had an opportunity. He reached out to me from one of his leadership programs at REC, found a great opportunity. We got him working with us part-time for about two days a week. And then we made the leap to move him from REC to Brillet as an E&O data analyst. He sees things that I could never possibly see from his work as a lineman. He can communicate much more effectively. We're working on giving our linemen and vegetation management tools to enter tree calls outages in the field. His explanation of why should you care about this is this tree and this outage is the difference between you spending Christmas at home with your kids or dealing with an outage call. It seems like a no-brainer, right? But like, yeah, <laughs> um, you know, I never thought of it before. And I was like, man, that is the greatest way to explain this. So hiring within, that's a, a perfect example of someone who has the aptitude to learn it, doesn't know the technical knowledge, but can get there. Um, we've also done some creative stuff where we've hired people, HR talent acquisition analysts, um, someone else on our team that never used Power BI before. She's been here about a year and uh, she's probably better at Power BI templates than I would ever was. You know, if you get someone with the right aptitude, the right character, you can grow talent, um, internal and external. Um, you can also educate folks with it, intense technical knowledge on the utility side and having those people work together, kind of cross-pollinate, collaborate, that's really been our, our secret to success on how do you find talent and what's the best fit. I think that's that's a great way to put it. Like you said, it's kind of expanding both the industry knowledge, but also the data analytics side. You named a number of great qualities, I think, that you look for in a data scientist, whether it's kind of determination to learn, right, on your own, the understanding of a a technical specific area within the co-op, whether it's the lineman who understands what's going on on the the side of vegetation management. So it really seems like you kind of need to, to spread that knowledge based on what projects you're looking at tackling. Yeah, we've kind of divided things into data pods. Um, essentially around specific subject matter knowledge. So ideally, we want to have a stack of an engineer, which we define as like the back end doing the technical work, working with the system owners, um, as we define it, and align them with the front end engagement that usually works with the business side, that's our data analyst. And then for for more technical extreme knowledge, you work with a, a data scientist, someone who can do some more advanced analytics and machine learning. But we've kind of organized them into pods where we have, you know, our communications, member services, government and regulatory affairs handled by one of our data analysts as a lead. And then we have someone on the back end, data engineering, connecting the data, getting them to the visualization point. Yeah. Um, same thing with engineering operations, vegetation management, and then also the um, financial and HR aspects and, and strategy execution in a, a separate bubble. So it helps us keep things organized, but also... We're very aware of not having silos where someone is the keeper of all things. And then what happens when they get promoted or they leave or you know something happens down the road, we make sure that we're maybe putting you on a project that you don't know anything about intentionally so you can learn. Okay, interesting. Mm-hmm. Silos probably don't benefit anybody as much as uh, we all like to work together collaboratively. And I know co- cooperatives tend yeah. to be 
quite good because you have people who are doing multiple projects. So I think that might be challenging for cooperatives of different sizes, how to get started. What makes a good project to take a look at and say, hey, let's get our feet wet? I think there's a lot to be said about defining the business value up front. Um, And in some ways, we've kind of built into our business value stakeholder engagement. As in, you know, your internal stakeholders, your business leaders, how committed are you to working with us? I'm not saying you have to know about data and analytics, because I think there's there's a magical thing that happens between the technical and non-technical translation. That's kind of where analytics has its sweet spot is, is taking that data and contextualizing it as meaningful insights. But I want you to be committed up front to, hey, we're going to work on this together. You're not going to leave after one or two meetings, and then we'll never hear from you again. You'll never use this. So I think value and defining that up front is really important. And then there's a difference between tangible and, and non-tangible value. Uh, it was explained to me once that analytics is funny money. It's not financial. It's not like black and white. There is tangible value. If we have data that tells us, hey, this circuit has 20% losses and we're going to repair it and it will save us $700,000 in wholesale costs every year, that's tangible value. You know, tangible value, um, you're going to save X hours in work because we automated this report and you don't have to touch it. There's a return on investment in labor and that doesn't affect your margins. Non-tangible value is, hey, your member SAT scores went up. It will probably help you with your rate, next rate case or regulatory requirements and interrogatories. There's intangible value, but the value is there. We define that up front, but some of the projects we've started and the framework is really what's helped us over time and helped us you know, really establish the analytic center of excellence and, and grow that out. You start with one or two, you build momentum, and then you get to a third or fourth department and it all falls apart because you can't get past the growing pains. That framework has helped us keep momentum. Some of those big projects that, that we've done and built a framework and build on top of them are things like reliability data. We've done a good job of documenting and putting forth data on our IEEE scores, our SADIE and SAFE and KDE, location-based data, and focus on high reliability zones. So the zones that have the biggest impact and focus on what can we do to prevent outages from those areas moving forward. And then what we've done moving from there is working with vegetation management um, and, and building an app where we can take pictures of trees out in the field and foresters can take pictures, tag their location of basically a post outage forensics. And now we're moving towards getting that with the right away schedule and satellite imagery to move towards what we've identified as a predictive right away schedule, as opposed to a standard five-year schedule. We think it's more beneficial to maybe do certain areas every one, two, three years. Some areas maybe extend out to six, seven years, keeping basically the same budget. But what we found was that these certain areas, about 7% of outage events cost 50% of routine safety. And of that 50%, 40% of that is tree cause outages outside the right of way. So we can, basic, simple math numbers, there's a lot of variables in there, but what we came to was, hey... If we take care of 200 trees a year, 200 trees a year is the difference between 40% of our safety. So let's prevent those 200 trees from falling down or hitting our lines in the right of way. And then we could significantly yeah. cut down our, our outages. And we've done the additional work in EVs and line loss and, and really um, trying to solve some of those bigger problems on the engineering side as well. But that's just one big use case we've been building up to for years now. 
I think you hit on a great point. What makes it real, right? You're talking about intangible versus tangible. These concepts of how do you communicate this to your leadership, right? To your executive leadership for the buy-in and to make sure that they understand that it might not be an immediate return on the investment for the data analytics that they're making, right? A lot of, a lot of this has more of a long-term plan from my understanding, obviously depending on what project, but there's not necessarily going to be the immediate turnaround for the understanding of the numbers that you're looking at um, or the data that you're capturing. And the other thing is it's it's scary, right? I think analytics is what we call a buzzword and there's not a lot of understanding of it, how necessarily we should handle it. And the scope of it can be quite large. You've talked about a number of projects and probably the amount of data that you're collecting based on the projects that you're doing, it's it's intimidating. I, I find that interesting. And you definitely seem to have a great set of kind of guiding principles and framework that you're working on, which sounds like it's a great way to handle the different areas that you're working in and keep the focus. Now, I'm curious, we talked a little bit about current projects and successes. Anything that you would deem a failure? I think that's something that leadership tends to look at and I think everybody goes through, right, the growing pains of this wasn't a success. We maybe won't say it's a failure, but it was not something that went as planned. And kind of what what did you learn from it? This is a great question. I'm very happy to share. It's always a challenge, right? Um, I think particularly in, in the industry we're in, in cooperatives, uh, we, we don't really think of failure as a, a good thing. With data and analytics, like you said, is an investment and it is not an immediate return. It takes a couple of years to build up to it and it takes dedication to it. So one of the things you have to do to build up to it is be okay with failure and be okay with failing fast. And I heard a, a really great phrase that uh, failure was the first step in success. Uh, while we've, we've got something very unique in the cooperative spectrum of what we've done in data and analytics, I will not shy away from the fact that we have failed a whole bunch. And I'm proud that we have failed because it helped us get to where we are now. That's one of the things we try to help other cooperatives out with on the Burlet side is the fact that, hey, we've failed a bunch to get to where we are. So we're just trying to help you skip that step because nobody wants to have to reinvent the wheel, right? So in terms of failures, one of the biggest failures we had was we we were set to work with an organization that was going to give us line loss modules and a lot of other things and a centralized data repository in the cloud um, and, and just do the whole thing for us. And for a lack of a better term, it kind of became like a, a snake oil situation where like, whatever you want, we can do it. Uh, turns out it was very much straight up snake oil. So right before we signed on the dotted line, we did a cybersecurity audit and they failed our audit in spectacular fashion and gave us a false penetration test and lied about their website. So all things considered, we dodged a major bullet. But what it did was it left us with a you know, roughly $300,000 project that all the funding disappeared and we had nothing planned for that year. And it was supposed to be a big starting point, big rollout for us. So it was a huge failure in that sense. But the positive side was we had nothing and we had a blank slate and I had a, a system analyst who's essentially a data engineer and I had um, you know, 20 hours a week with them. And I said, what can we do with our spare time? And I said, Will we have Oracle licensing? We can stand up a free Oracle database as a, as a placeholder. And we found a lot of issues with some of our um, member satisfaction data. So we said, hey, this particular survey is not working right. Let's reverse engineer it. And we built something that can now be 
used and as a subscription model to help out other co-ops. So we built an entire database and central repository on our own. It's by no means perfect. We've enhanced it so many times over the year, but that freedom, that white space gave us the opportunity to grow into something even more than we could have done if we had just bought it. That failure led to a huge opportunity for us. That sounds like it. And it sounds like that failure, you also had some fail safes potentially with the cybersecurity check that that led to at least not a an even bigger failure potentially. That's that's nice to hear always. If you could kind of sum everything up we talked about into your top three pieces of advice that you'd give to co-op leaders really looking to grow their in-house data analytics program or just even in general, what do you suggest? My three big takeaways outside of the first three, the first place I'd say is understanding the value behind data. Data is, there's a, there's a, a phrase that's been used for over a decade now, data is the new oil, which is kind of funny because we used to say, well, it's a raw material and oil and analytics is the combustion engine that enhances the business, which is the car and helps drive the business. We're all talking about EVs now, so the combustion engine thing doesn't really, you know, doesn't, doesn't hit as hard, <laughs> but just know that data is a huge asset. Um, it's something that like almost from a capital and you know expense, like you can almost count it as an asset. Some organizations already do. Um, and it's, it's widely untapped. There are things that we can do with data that are on the horizon, actually, where we don't have to code anymore. Like we can ask a computer to do it for us. So there's going to be things that we can do incredible stuff with value that we haven't even tapped into. So First, see data as an asset. It's something valuable that helps you and your employees and your membership. But the, the three big takeaways, I would say, and I'll add a, a minor fourth one there that I may have mentioned earlier, is framework is critical. Um, have the framework up front. People, process, technology, and governance. You need to have a solid framework. What will happen is you'll, you'll do a lot of early wins and get momentum, and then you'll get bogged down with smaller requests, and then you won't be able to move forward. You need to have a repeatable framework and a process for intaking project and a culture that is built with your employees. Number two is, I would say, know your why with analytics and promote it. Share the success internally and align your goals with the strategic plan. The strategic plan is a document that your board and your, your senior leaders have developed to help guide where your organization and the vision of your organization align your data and analytic efforts with that strategic plan know why you do it, know your purpose and promote that. You need to tell stories about success. You know, this helped out this department. And because of it, you know, we like to say the, um, what did you do or why did you do it? What did you do? And what was the wow at the end and, and promote that internally. And then third, back to resources. It's not an either, or it's a both, um, in terms of looking internally, looking externally, technical, non-technical, so like utility versus data, people. It's not either or, it's both. So so look everywhere. Don't be afraid to hire someone who's got the aptitude, the, you know, someone who's inquisitive, a voracious learner who can get there pretty quick. Because of who they are, they will get there pretty quick um, as long as you have a good system around them. And then the fourth one I'd kind of add in there um, is back to that technical, non-technical translation. That's where the magic happens. That's the uh, you go from the system side, go from the data side, go from the rows. I like to say rows and columns because that's how people see it um, and get the business on board with, all right, what are the rows and columns you need to see at the end of the day to help you get a decision here that's going to, to help bring value about and 
being that that liaison or that facilitator in some ways is you know the communication piece is as important as the data piece. I think you're right. Coming from somebody that works on the communication side, uh, that sometimes is the the connecting piece, right? Between the end user, like you said, the why, what what am I going to do with these numbers? Why are you handing them to me? Uh, what good is it to me? And the decision makers, how they're going to say, yes, we need to cut more trees or we need to change our EV program and look at additional resources. Everything that you've given is of great value. I appreciate you coming here and talking today uh, to give us a little bit of the insights. It sounds like you have a lot of success, hopefully ahead of you, and I'm excited to hear about some more data analytics projects. Absolutely, Christine. I really appreciate being here today, and I'm looking forward to talking further. All right. Well, be sure to listen to more episodes of CFC Solutions Cast on your favorite podcast app and check out www.nrucfc.coop slash solutions for more cooperative news.